take 43. Mark? Dude, this is exciting. This is the second episode. Uh, I haven't seen you in a week, man. What's been up? Oh, man. Well, I went to a gun show in Las Vegas. Well, we'll just stop right there. Welcome to the, <laughs> well, welcome, welcome to the Take 43 <laughs> podcast. <laughs> welcome to the Take 43 podcast. Um, what happened with the first 42 takes, Aaron? Look, okay, so I kept on trying to shoehorn in my argument for why Leonardo DiCaprio should have won an Oscar for The Departed instead of The Revenant. And in Drew's words, quote, nobody gives a shit, Aaron. <laughs> and so I'm going to do my best to stay away from that this episode, uh, but I'm making like no promises. <laughs> yeah, that's very true. Yeah. Have you have you seen uh, The Departed or The Revenant? I have. Uh, I have seen The Revenant. I saw The Departed as well, but it's been a while. Dude, The Departed's so good. Like The Revenant's good and everything. Like the filmmaking in it is like top notch, but man, The Departed is a fun movie. And yeah. I actually think Leo did better and he's he's being less like actory, sure, you know, sure. Oscar-y actory. No, I think The Revenant was cool. I saw a lot of behind the scenes on that. So speaking of behind the scenes, I think today's episode is going to be about projects. So current projects, favorite projects, what we're working on, what, what we you're ha- working on, what I'm working on, what you're working on, what we're working on, what we're working on. Yeah. yeah so I think that uh, I think this is going to be really fun. I think so too. Like the the most recent project uh, for me has been actually just getting these microphones set up correctly. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. I found out there's a front of them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's funny because the first uh, episode and the bonus episode sounded great. Like you did a great job. Thanks. Uh, in post and everything, but. Yeah, we sound, uh, we sound yeah. a little bit better just in I th- the I think right this now. is better. Again, we're speaking into the correct end of the microphone now, so yeah. that could only be a good thing, I think. Well, what started that conversation was I bought the pop screens and um, online, and on the pictures, it showed everyone like in these booths, like, hey, holding yeah. like the it's right nice ear. Stock photos. Yeah, yeah. yeah, exactly. <laughs> holding their right ear, just like, hey. And uh, it's just, yeah, I was like, that's the... He's going to be like, Aaron, I think we're doing this wrong. <laughs> <laughs> like, All right, man, let me check out YouTube and it's see like, what I can find. That's why we hire audio on set, right? That's right. But uh, again, learning. I learned a whole bunch, and this, I'm going to be able to take that to all the other stuff that I work on all the time. Exactly. I mean, um, that's what it's all about. Yeah. So, okay. Anyway, so your projects, Drew. Let's start with your favorites. What do you say? All right. Yeah. So I have a list here of my favorite projects that I've worked on over the last uh, couple years. Um, the first one I'm going to talk about, because I know you're going to touch on it, too, and it's going to be- know it. Yeah, exactly. So that's Paper Cutter. We shot Paper Cutter in October of 2018. God, is that long ago already, huh? Which is crazy because yeah. I felt like it, there was some uh, some delay in there of getting it going. There was. There's definitely some post-production uh, issues that we can talk about. Yeah. So, um, you know, it was one of the first larger sets where I actually felt like I had some creative control. You and I, I, should, I shouldn't say control. I should maybe say freedom. Um, but you and no, I... No, I think, I think control is the right word. I mean, I don't think there's anything wrong with saying that because you were the director of photography. So inherent in that is a little bit of control and like control doesn't always have to be a negative thing it's just like you are setting you're setting the the visuals for yeah it. and like, it was the first time i kind of hired out my own large crew and uh but me and you we sat down for weeks and months and yeah we yeah it's like two or three times a week yeah um coming over to my house or over to your house and we would work on storyboards and angles and stuff like that and inevitably work in a bunch of uh you know mario kart yeah yeah (laughs) we had to figure that out for sure i mean yeah you can't it can't be all work yeah heavy pre-production and heavy mario kart no but we we uh, created all these shot lists and i remember just creating just every shot uh you know ronin movement static low angle high angle wides you know close-ups mediums and i remember creating all those and we got to the point on set where we only could use about half of those shots because yeah. we were running out of time. Yeah, when Paper Cutter was kind of a different sort of beast because it, it didn't have any kind of um, 
your your typical sort of uh, conversations where you know it was a establishing shot and then like two OTS shots. Like it was all all kind of happened from like this one point of view. And so it just it didn't fit into the quite the same mold. And so instead of just having having like, you know, these setups where like, okay, we're getting four shots on this setup, it was kind of like it, these individual shots that needed to be captured. And so it really kind of like built up your mountain of work quite a bit. Yeah. And and to that point, let's get real. That was our first day of shooting and there were how many actors in there? Fourteen? Uh, I think I think it was twelve actors and about ten crew. Yeah. And yeah, I was gonna say it was there was a lot of people that we were maneuvering around and, and trying to figure out how to light twelve people at yeah. once uh for not a wide easy. shot. It wasn't easy, but it was but we got it done and it looked great. And not to mention, you know, first time director here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Suddenly have to talk to all these people and be like, here's what I want you to do. Well I remember when I was doing camera prep the night before um, in my studio I was um, garage it's a studio Um, (laughs) (laughs) it's a studio Um, but I was doing all the camera prep and you came over dude you were pacing like you just oh dude I was freaking out yeah I was freaking out yeah I could tell you're a little nervous Um, I'll go into more when I talk about it of course but it was kind of uh, on set it was kind of our first stressful situation together Um, I remember looking at you and you were a little overwhelmed uh, like secretively, was uh, like cross-eyed. Yeah, you, your hair was. <laughs> what is wrong with your, your face? Your hair was standing straight up. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I do remember looking at you though and being like, "Hey, man, like we're all good. We're we're we are about two hours behind." Um, and that showed later from the time we left uh, the the church that we filmed it at. Yeah, um, it ended up being what a 16, 17 hour day or something. Yeah, like just that. to wake up again at eight and and go back Woof. to to working. It was worth it though. Yeah, it was yeah, so totally, much fun. Totally but I just remember looking at you and saying, "Hey, man." Um, we're going to do, uh, we're not going to follow this shot list. We're going to get what we need mm-hmm. and we're going to do it as efficiently as possible. Right. Yeah. And, and I mean, I think all our other uh, projects that we did before that really helped. Cause once we did, you know, nervous at first, but once we got into it, like I, we really did hit a groove and we're like, okay, we got to cut this shot. Like our, our understanding of story in general and what you need and what you don't need allowed us to start digging in there and be like, okay, we're going to toss this shot. We're going to toss this shot. We don't need it. These things can connect here. Like we're able to see what the the output was going to be. Because well, we had a vision already, yeah, of, of what those shots were going to be, but we were able to subtract a couple of those shots and still yeah. make it work uh, yeah. very and, well. Yeah, I, I agree. And and honestly, I have I had an epic AC on that shoot. Dude, and Nick, Nick Nick Edwards was amazing. Shout out Nick Edwards, dude. That guy What's up? is insanely good. He's worked on Wind River, Hereditary. He was on like a multiple seasons of Yellowstone. Yeah, he did something with John Legend. I don't know. I don't really good care guy. About that. Probably doesn't remember my name, but good guy. <laughs> oh yeah, Nick Nick does for sure. Um, Nick's the man, and he is hopefully gonna help me on uh, jump. Seat. That would be awesome. Yeah, us on jump seat, I should say. Um, the gear we used really quick. Um, we did use a Red Raven. We learned that that was absolutely terrible in low light. Not, not, not a huge. I mean, the the picture looked nice, but I definitely wouldn't uh, use it again, especially considering jump seat's going to take place all at night. Yeah, and I had shot on an Epic before, and I did not realize the difference until I started Big doing camera prep yeah. with low light. Um, and you know, I kind of wanted that grungier low light look, but we had a pitch black parking lot scene we shot, and it turned out great after it was colored and everything. But just what do we have? Like eight lights on like kind of the whole yeah. path in had a whole path of uh, right side uh, shooters right kino flows with um incandescent lights in there i'll tell you what though it came off looking really natural like the parking oh, lot looks, looks very like it looks like it's lit by the lights yeah. that are in that parking lot thank you that was awesome man. you're welcome you're welcome um what was really fun is we had a set of uh, cook primes and we had a set of vintage canon lenses and what i wanted to do on that was use the cook primes for everything that was current time and then there were a lot of flashback scenes that I wanted to use the vintage Canon lenses on. And I thought that that was portrayed very well. Um, yeah, give them, a, give them a very kind of distinct look from each other, I think. Yeah, they looked different, and I thought it helped capture the story and kind of helped put the viewer in kind of the mind and the place of um, 
of the characters. And I thought uh, one more technique that was really fun was shooting the direct bulb through the blinds. And I have them like right here. Oh yeah, me. so yeah, in the in the apartment scene, yeah. we wanted to have horizontal like shadows of horizontal blinds, kind of like a kind of like a noir film. And but the the problem is there's just one window in the place, and it's directly behind the actors. But there was a doorway on the other side. And so what did you do, Drew? So I sh I shot a 2K direct bulb through a set of blinds hanging from a C stand, and what that did was it obviously casted really cool lines on the wall. But and it made the actor look super scary. It made him look super scary, especially in that close up and yeah, slow mo. In the close up, yeah. Um, and that was kind of my my point because the kid, um, I wanted him to feel trapped and imprisoned, and that was very much uh, what was it portrayed definitely, on definitely screen. came across. Yeah. yeah. So my next project that I want to talk about, uh, I'll briefly touch on, was the DJ Robot Dream music video, and that was Salmont L'Amour, which means only love. It's Aww. a French music video. Yeah, <laughs> thanks. Um, that was a video that we shot over multiple seasons. So we started shooting that last winter, and we had multiple locations, and then we finished it in the summer. Yeah, and I was and I was on the summer part of the shoot. With yeah, you, you were. You were able which to was help a me ton out. of fun. Yeah, it was sweet, right? Yeah, it was, um, it was. It was the first music video where it kind of felt accomplished. I obviously again having more of that creative control and that freedom. He knew what he wanted, and he had a very kind of tight script on on what he wanted to do but I was able to take all of that and the locations and we were able to make that happen. Uh, we were, we got to work with Hannah Yondo. She's a local model um, which was a great experience. Super super nice girl. Super she's really cool. She's extremely talented too. Um, it's funny you'll go to like the mall and you'll see her in all the ads and like Albion Fit. I'll be like, "Oh, yeah, there's she's, Hannah." She's no joke, right? Like no, she was like big. modeling in Paris and stuff like that. Yeah, she's getting to that point and and she was just an absolute pleasure to work with. She was really cool. Do you think do you think that she talks about us the same way? <laughs> she like, like, oh, this uh, videographer and this other guy that we're helping out, uh, just really talented at what they're doing. I heard that they're now shooting skate videos. Yeah, yeah those <laughs> losers in that studio, the garage studio. Nah, she probably doesn't remember my name. No, probably not. Um, no, no, that's <laughs> no. To be honest, we we do chats uh, here and there on Instagram, so um, so we 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 kind of stay in touch. But I, it was just an honor to work with her. The really cool part about that music video was all the locations we got to go to. So we shot um, the last scene, but we shot it actually it was one of the first things we shot. Uh, is when Hannah goes into uh, the club and it's, uh, you know, there's a lot of people in there. Yeah, yeah. So that was shot at Tinwell Bar and we're actually not allowed to go. I should say we, but um, the DJ Robot is not allowed to play there anymore because... Wait, you guys got kicked out? We didn't get kicked out, but the, he put the bar at capacity. Oh, like it, you're too popular for our bar. <laughs> yeah, that's, I think that was what it okay. kind of came down All to. Right. And um, he does a lot at Gracie's now, but yeah, yeah. He, he's literally not allowed to spin there anymore because um, there was too many people. Too many people. Yeah, which that's I think the, is a I mean, good that's problem. That's a good problem to have, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, uh, we got to shoot those really amazing cars. We shot a 68 uh, Pontiac Le Mans and a 1929 Model T in that music video. Yeah, which those was, were was an honor, honor to yeah. work with those cars. Yeah, like super old cars, uh, and they look like they would naturally have steam spouting out of them from breaking down. But, yeah. Uh, in fact, that was me crouching behind the tire with a smoke machine. Yes, it was. <laughs> so I'm in the video. You just can't see. Yeah, me. yeah. We, we painted you out. But uh, no, there was a lot of really cool things we got to do with the Mo Model T. It, it was very natural and, and rusty already. So, um, you know, the scene is, is his car breaks down and uh, Hannah pulls up and picks him up. Uh, just to find out it was all a DJ robot dream. So, oh, oh I get yeah, it. Yeah, fun. Oh. Um, and uh, we went to his house and shot like them playing video games on the first day of shooting. But it was just a fun experience because it was it was 
kind of over different seasons. Right. So one of the winter ones, there was a dog in there. Yeah. Was it was that was that a dog that just showed up, or did you guys bring that dog? We planned that. Okay. So because it, it, it actually looks like it just kind of happens. Yeah. Was probably the, that good. was the point yeah. of how I wrote it in. Yeah. Right. So um, no, that was his friend's dog, and that was a fun little scene to shoot. Cute dog. Yeah, it was cutie. Um, no, it, 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 to be honest, another thing that was really fun about that music video is I kind of got to break some of the editing barriers that we're used to. I mean, if you've watched that music video, it's pretty trippy. Oh, totally, it is. Yeah. yeah. A lot of cool transitions and a lot of overlays, especially the, the, in the, the club text overlays you did were really cool. Thanks, man. I, I talk about how you did that. Awesome. Yeah. So um, the text overlays were fun. I wanted to do something unique and different, um, you know, because I'm sick of just putting text in via an editing software. So what I had him do is we got all of the lyrics. It's obviously in French. And he came and sat right here where we're at and um, wrote and drew, drew it out in his handwriting. Was it like like a like a, a it was a wax pen? Yes, or, no, it was a sharpie. Pencil. Oh, sharpie. Okay. So it was a thick sharpie, like one of the bigger ones, um, not like a regular size sharpie. And he wrote it all out in French, and then I put it all on white down, and then I handheld uh, my camera over top of it, facing directly on the floor, and I would shake in the transitions and film the different pieces of paper because yeah, I that's over- cool, man. Yeah, so I overlaid that paper on white, and then I uh, composed it into the overlay. And I messed with the levels a little bit, and it looked uh, really cool. Yeah, it's cool because then you get like that, uh, uh, like the motion blur that's not the you know it doesn't look like the added in motion blur from After Effects, which you know looks neat in some circumstances, but like the stuff you had looked real. Thanks, man. Yeah. yeah so we cool. sh- I, and I kept it at twenty four frames just yeah. so uh, you would get a little bit of that blur. Yeah, yeah. So any of the movement you're seeing with the text, that's his handwriting, and that's my camera. Uh, that's my hands moving the camera. Yeah, man, look great. So the next uh, video I want to talk about, I shot in two thousand fifteen. It was uh, pretty recently after I had moved out to Utah, um, and I got to shoot with Ken Block, and it was a film for Car and Driver. I think one of the reasons that this was my one of my favorite videos is because it had uh, two point five million views in twenty four hours collectively. Whoa, for real? So it went viral, but it went viral on multiple platforms because there was multiple hosts. Okay. So um, I was really stoked and Car and Driver was beyond pleased. So it was a one-man band style shoot. We only had two and a half hours to film with him. Uh, he was going somewhere um, abroad after that, which was, uh, you like know... Dressed we- up as a woman? <laughs> <laughs> no, abroad. Oh. <laughs> uh, so we went up to Powder Mountain and he drove his Ford around and it had the Raptor tracks on it. And it was the first time I got to shoot with my GH4 in 4K, which was fun. And then it was, um, I had the Ronin, so it was a one, very much a one-man band style show, but I was able to make these really cool texts and, and do all these unique style of things, and uh, he was really pleased with it. The funny part about that shoot was um, I only made 400 bucks from it. But uh, wealthy in knowledge after that, right? <laughs> yeah, but it wasn't about the money. Like, it was one of those things where I, you know, it was about the experience, and I got to meet him, and now I, I know him pretty well. Um, but this was like the first time of getting my, you know, I was getting my business on the ground and right. um, I didn't know how to bid out correctly. And oh, I yeah. didn't, Do you think you, so you underbid? I underbid for sure because it was car and driver out of New York City. Sure, sure. Like, Hertz, they're probably like, what a steal. Yeah, Hertz Media, right? Yeah. So uh, it Hertz that you got paid yeah, so little. <laughs> yeah, I got, I got Hertz to media. Uh, no, they're great. They were a great client and I uh, I really want to work with them again sometime. Cool. Um, I just didn't know my worth at the time. You know, it, it's really hard. I had the same issues when I was trying to decide what my, my post-production freelance rates were. Uh, you know, because I know what I feel like I was worth, but then at the same time, I'm like, mm, I don't want to oversell myself. And so it, it, it took me a while to, to get to, uh, what I felt like I should charge. And it's, it's difficult. And I think it's different for every person. And you just have right. to like, you have to sit down and be honest with yourself. Like, what am I worth? How much time sure. am I going to spend on stuff? You know, what, what is, what's reasonable that people will actually pay. Also. Right. And yeah. what, in a situation like that, I was afraid that I was going to overbid and they were going to say no. And then I wasn't going to get a chance to work with them. You're like, no, you're like, no. And I was like, yes. Um, another shoot I want to talk about was, uh, the commercials we did with, um, Vega protein. 
And that was out of Vancouver, British Columbia. And I think the reason I enjoyed that so much was just because that was the first time I had gone out of the country to shoot and get paid well. So it was really cool. We stayed in this big mansion. It was absurd. They had uh, beautiful views. We had fun partying and we networked a lot with yeah, all these people. Yeah, it looked like fun. Yeah. You were, uh, <laughs> you had to stay behind and then edit all of yeah, it. Yeah, I got to right? look at the video after the fact. Yeah. Well, it was fun because I was vlogging at the time. Oh, yeah, yeah. And that made it that made it really fun for me just because you, I got to capture that experience and capture the home. But the content that we produced for them, we made how many videos? Four? I want to say it was four, yeah. We made four different style videos for them. It was really high quality and, and it was exceptional despite the fact that we were shooting supplements. <laughs> you know, <laughs> right. I mean, it's... Yeah, it's, when, when, yeah, when you're shooting stuff, is you know, it's powders and pills and stuff like that. You have to get a little bit creative to keep it interesting. Exactly. And, and you're not always successful, but this one was really fun. And we got to shoot a workout. And I'd been wanting to like work, like to edit a cool like workout video for a little while yeah so you guys got like a bunch of stuff and i was able to do that with like a big old blah, 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 yeah blah, 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 sort of song yeah, one, yeah, one, yeah, one. <laughs> yeah it was <laughs> i remember that it was really cool um, i mean i think we did a good job capturing the lifestyle the brand and we created stories that supported their needs while at the same time nailing down the details of the brand as a whole yeah it's very canadian eh hey, don't you know <laughs> um but it was um it was a fun shoot and the, the client was great and i've met a lot of people through there and then the expert that we were shooting with was great too yeah um, he looked like he was a lot of fun yeah great i think his name was nick yeah, maybe. <laughs> Great guy. I don't remember his name. Sure. No, uh, that was that was a whopping uh, about two or three years ago. But um, that was just a really it was a really fun shoot, and and I'll link that vlog uh, below as well. So everything that we have mentioned um, that are past projects, we're gonna link in the description below. Yeah, for the most part, we'll be able to show everything. There might be one or two here or there that are not uh, public yet, but we'll post everything we can. Absolutely. So I'm gonna move on to current projects. I'm gonna keep this brief. Uh, I am doing a huge educational series with Cricket right now, and I can't talk about a lot of that because I signed an NDA. Uh, I will say that they are amazing to work with, and um, they're, ex they're an exceptional client, and I I'm excited to turn a, a craft project into a really cool video. Yeah, they make some cool stuff. It's I'm amazing. to see how those come out. Well, I mean, you saw the die-cut stickers that I made for the Take 43 podcast. Yeah, yeah. I gave you one today, yeah, yeah. and that was made with their machine. So another thing that I'm really excited about is I'm updating my demo reel. Um, and it's been about three years since I've done a, uh, a regular style demo reel. I did do the drone demo reel last year and that was, that Which was, was sick. Thanks. That drone demo reel was really good. Thanks man. It was really fun. It was, it was a lot of unique places in there. We're lucky to live where we live to, to have that in our backyard, you know? That all was in your backyard. Yeah, just over the wow. over, over the fence. I need to spend more time in your backyard. Yeah, Mr. Wilson, you can see him there. He's like, hey, Drew, put your drone down. You're good. <laughs> <Wait>. <laughs> <laughs> You know what? We don't need to. Uh, moving on. Yes. That, you know what? We won't go there. Um, no. So I am updating my demo reel. Um, it includes uh, vintage footage of me as a child, which is really cool. Oh, cute. Uh, mine has some of that. Well, I'll, I'll get to that later. Yeah. yeah. No. And, I, and I'm and i not copying yours and, and or anything, but I, I do want to tell more of a story uh, than just a, you think, know, a pretty montage. I like, think that's where it's at. I think yeah. most most people think that just a, a hard cut you know, get real of the work you've done is enough. And like, like you can show what yourself looks like and feels like that way. But if you're able to take all this other stuff and build a story out of it, that's also entertaining for people, guess what? Like you're going to jump right to the top of the heap if you can do that. Yeah. And I think it supports the footage more, um, just showing a little bit of history. It'll, it can be used as kind of a trailer. It can be used as, um, a, you know, a job piece, a resume piece. Um, there's a lot of things that you can do having some, uh, context in there in a demo Absolutely. reel. Absolutely. Um, a really exciting thing that I'm, I'm working on right now is um, they just built Woodward in Park City. Woodward is a big action sports camp that hosts all kinds of different programs, skating, snowboarding, skiing, mountain biking, BMX, parkour, everything. It's it's absolutely insane what they've got going on up there. So cool. 
Yeah, and, and they've asked me to build out their digital media program. They actually teach kids from around the United States and around the world. When they come in for camp, they'll learn how to do digital media and film and, and do studio stuff and audio, and I'm actually building out that program right you, now. That's really cool. I remember when I was a, a little punk skater kid, like we would have our Sony Handycams or whatever just recording in a you know Smith's parking lot. Exactly. Well, I <laughs> like I'm jealous. Right? I yeah. kind of touched on that uh, in the first episode, but uh, to be honest, man, this is a dream job for me. Cool, um, man. And, um, I get to work with major athletes in the action sports industry and, and just teaching and spreading, you know, the knowledge of, of what I've learned. And again, I don't know everything, but I'm, what I do know, I feel like I'm, you know, I can pass on and, and be confident in that. For sure. And I'll tell you what, I'll come in and I'll help uh, teach through interpretive dance. Okay. And so anything you say, I can just make up like some moves for it. Dude, like something like yeah, that. See, I like, and that. like you know exactly what I'm talking about when I when I make these sick moves. Maybe if I don't like the job I'll have you come in and do that so I'll get fired. <laughs> Until he's get fired in like yeah. a spectacular fashion. And, and what do you know? Again, head on the chopping block round four. Chop, 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 chop. That was Aaron's fault, not mine. Um no but I, I'm really excited about that. Um, I'm also doing Taste Utah. It's on ABC it's on Sunday mornings at 9.30. Delicious. Yeah, and it's fun. We get to eat and um, go check out really cool places, meet a lot of chefs. And our, our hosts and our co-hosts, Katie and Jamie, um, are really fun to work with. They're really nice, and they're cool. very good on camera. So we get to go to all these restaurants around Utah and film them. That's awesome. And you got to bring our uh, our buddy BT on uh, to do audio. Absolutely. So I, I called BT up. One of our audio guys uh, flaked BT out. BT Measles. BT Measles. He's the man. He's... Um, He's he's just a great guy. He's a good dude. Uh, we're gonna have him on later later in the season. So I just nailed down some dates uh, with O'Neill Outerwear as well. So I'm gonna be shooting um, some backcountry stuff. I did an ad with them uh, this past winter with Gore-Tex. Oh, that one was rad. Thanks, yeah, man. That was great. Yeah. So he's we, with the uh, there's like an Olympic athlete, right? Um, L.J. Strano, he's a, a um, he's an X Games gold medalist. X Games, okay. Um, but um, yes, there was a lot of really cool um, stuff that we got to do, and I, I toured them around Powder Mountain. I'm kind of their guide, and then we shoot probably three days. And then what's really cool this year is we're going to be shooting two days in, in the streets. So a lot of urban snowboarding, if you're oh, not cool. familiar with that. That's so awesome. Where, uh, where are you going to shoot that? We don't know yet. They'll, okay. they'll know the spots, and um, I know some spots as well, but uh, it really depends on snowfall. That'll be cool. Yeah, so I think I think it's uh, a movie based around Seb Toots, which is, excuse me. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, excuse me? <laughs> We're in the middle of a podcast, no, Drew. No. <laughs> I love Seb. He's awesome, dude. He's so good at snowboarding. It's insane. Um, it's Tootown is his last name, um, but we call him Seb Toots. That's kind of what I have going on now. Those were some of my favorite past projects. So, Aaron, I want to hear about your favorite projects, and then I want to hear about your current projects. Um, I'm excited to hear about that. I'm sure we're going to have some overlap, but I'm just anxious to hear kind of because um, you've done this for a long time. Yeah, I've been doing it for a little while. You're about how you're ten years older than me. Yeah, ten years older. Cool. That's that's fine, I guess. Uh, and but you know, my my professional life started a little bit later because you know, uh, like I said in the in the first episode, you know, I joined the military, and so I didn't get out of the military until I was 23. And then, and then I went to college. And so there's another about three and a half years on top of that before I really felt like I got to enter like the professional field. So I was, you know, mid twenties before I even started really doing, doing video work. So I, yeah, so I I feel like just a little bit behind, 
uh, in terms of, of my, my professional career, just like by a few years. Yeah. Um, so I've had to... I wouldn't say behind, I, I, but... Well, but I mean, if I'd gone to college, like directly out of high school, like I would have a few have a few more years up on on uh, where I am. Maybe. And I also think, though, when we, again, I feel like we've, I keep backtracking to we've touched on the things in the first episode, but the things have changed uh, as oh, far sure. as YouTube and technology and, yeah. and um, what makes a good filmmaker. And well, and, and also just kind of the, the people that we keep around us, the friends we've made all want to do kind of the same stuff that we're doing. And so we all kind of feed off of each other. Sure. Uh, well, we've all found our our niche, our, yeah. our niche or our niche, yeah. wherever you're from. Yeah. And um, I think that that helps a lot in just kind of categorizing uh, what parts of production that we want to spend our time in. Absolutely. And I like, and I think I've known for a long time where I really wanted to be. I mean, I've been doing post-production mostly for, for most of my career. Um, I th- and I think a lot of that was because it's, it's very – uh, I, I like seeing the end product. There's something that's very, uh, very satisfying to me to be able to see kind of the pieces and then see where it ends up. And so I think I think editing has been something that I've really liked doing. You taking all those blocks and putting them together and seeing kind of the final output. But also not to mention like uh, being an editor is, is kind of safe, right? When you're when you're a shooter, you kind of out in all these different situations, working with a bunch of different people. When you're an editor, you're kind of you know you're kind of in an edit bay by yourself, have occasional visitors, but you're you're mostly kind of in charge of your little environment. And I think on a psychological level that that's kind of what I was looking for because of you know like some anxiety and stuff like that sure I think so, that's and that's more common than, than you would think I, th- I think it especially is in today's world yeah. yeah I totally agree um and but I but in my heart I always knew what I wanted to do was was write and direct and so my favorite project is paper cutter uh you yeah. know because it was it really was like the culmination of of me and of, you of me and you for one thing <laughs> <laughs> no, that's our child it's our, it's our baby so yeah paper cutter was kind of the culmination of everything I'd been wanting to do you know but but like I said had issues with anxiety and so I, I I felt like I couldn't do it didn't have maybe the right people around me so I felt like I couldn't do it basically every excuse in the world to not do it and so um, you know the the friends that I was with, you know, Drew, Dave, and and Leah, who you'll eventually hear from as well, you know, we we started making these short films, and and you know, for the first one, you know, again, I stayed kind of in my editing bay. I was doing the editing on, and then the second one, I came on set. I was the writer, and I came on set, but then I still just did the editing. And then after that one, I finally got to a point. Where I'm like, okay, look, I I I need to do this. I need to finally write and direct my own thing. And so I said, I'm like, Hey guys, what would you think if I wrote and directed the next one? And we don't do it for a festival. We just do it for us. And everybody was down with that. And which is really cool. Cause it, it, it felt really good for them to all, you know, have for you guys all to have that kind of confidence in me. Um, because you know, you guys didn't know if I'd be any good as a director. I hadn't directed before. I had an idea that you would be, that you would be just fine. And, uh-huh. and just judging from you taking, you know, you, again, you've done so much editing, you've done so much production, I feel like with your kind of creative control and everything, I felt like that, that was not an issue. That wasn't that wasn't a thought that crossed my mind. Like this could be bad. You know, well, that's, good. that's good. I mean, I I appreciate that because I mean, you sound like you were more sure of it than I was. <laughs> yeah, especially again going back to that night of uh, camera prep when you were pacing oh, around. You yeah. were you I were mean, pretty nervous. But and and I think though, yeah, that level of I mean, like it's not putting it lightly to say like I was terrified because you know. Uh, I'd, I'd always been the guy. Everybody know who knows me. Like I am the movie guy. I talk about movies all the time. I want to make movies, and so this is me kind of like putting my money where my mouth was finally. And so if I screwed it up, like I would have been, and I know like most people wouldn't have thought this way, but like I would have been embarrassed. You know, I'd been super embarrassed, but like I'm a failure, and so like all that anxiety just kind of like just nodding up in my head kind of came out that night before when yeah you're doing the camera test and it came over and I'm like do we have enough lights? I don't know if we do. Yeah, and, like, and luckily we had more luckily, lights that came came that morning 
we would not have the same looking movie if we didn't get those lights. Yeah, and that, and I'm not a huge fan of of using a ton of kinos and things like that, but I we had to have it for like that group scene. Yeah. And the scheduling for that um you know, that's the, definitely something as, we learned. Well, just from yeah. a producer standpoint, I was slightly confused on some of the some of the angles that we how we approached the uh, the first day of shooting. Um it was just from we should have shot in backwards order of how we shot the movie. Yeah, agreed. We shouldn't have started off with our biggest scene first. We no. should have started off with a smaller scene, kind of get us into the groove. And that's I think that's what we're going to do on Jump Seat is we'll start with the start with one of the smaller scenes. It's a little bit easier to shoot that only has two characters, and then we'll kind of slowly work into the more complicated. That way, you know, you kind of get uh kind of get your groove, you kind of get into it, and then it starts to feel a little more natural. And so when when stuff starts to get harder, it doesn't feel like such a huge leap to get up to there. Yeah, exactly. Um, I think that's a good plan. Yeah. Anyway, so uh, things that I loved about working on Paper Cutter. Uh, one was location scouting. That's something I hadn't really done before, especially for you know a story that came out of my head. Uh, going and looking at these different locations and thinking like, you know, is is this right for the story? How is it right for the story? Does it look cool? And kind of just looking at different places and imagining you know my little story in these different spots. And my my favorite place we ended up with was the the boxing gym, which I don't even think it is operating. Yeah, anymore. it does not exist anymore. Yeah, it, and I, I think it, I feel like it existed for about six months of time, and then it was gone again. Yeah, well, and there so, was a homeless man living in there. Like yeah. he was like he was like sleeping in there in when there when in. we were filming. Yeah, and, but he was super cool and nice, and he like was nicest homeless up. man I've ever met. Yeah, hands down, <laughs> like not a crazy man, but he no. was just um, I think he just needed a spot to crash. Well, and I think that it was supposed to be part of a community project to you know bring in like at risk youths and and stuff like that. Um, but I, I don't think they ever got the funding they needed. And so they started kind of building it up and then I think it just kind of crashed back out, but the place looked really cool. It had a very dingy feel to it. It felt like a, a boxing ring that'd be like in a Rocky movie or something like we that. Did, yeah. I, did, I think we did a really cool job, um, from a production aspect of, of, you know, with the smoke machine, the atmosphere yeah. and, uh, cheating some of the angles. And yeah, I think that was really cool. I, th- I think some of the boxing, the boxing stuff might be some of my favorite stuff in the movie. O- other things I learned. In post-production, I'd always done my own color um, because, you know, on pretty fast schedules and like, okay, I'll just kind of bang out the color real quick. This is the first time that I ever actually worked with a colorist. Yeah, we worked with Trent, right? Trent Powelson, uh, who is out of uh, Provo, I believe. Yeah, I think he I think he still goes to BYU. Uh, great dude. I actually just found him on Facebook and we got talking and he really, really got the kind of the same things that you would get with the visuals, like understanding with shadows and colors, how they how they affected the mindset or how the character's mindset should affect those to get the, you know, get the audience to understand what we're getting after. And so he was really, really great with all that stuff. Just a really nice guy to work with, but also kind of understanding the workflow between because I'd edited it in Premiere. And that's a whole nother story. I wasn't planning on editing this thing at all, was I? <laughs> yeah, no, I was. What's the credit say? Um, there's a, oh, yeah, the credits say that it was uh, edited by Cohen A. Raymond. And who's that? Uh, so those are my cats. <laughs> <laughs> Cohen is my little gray tabby cat. And the A is for Ava, who is my big, fat, fluffy, black and white cat. And then uh, Ray, who's my little orange cat. So, yeah. like, I, I didn't want it to be one of those movies that was, like, written, directed, produced, and edited by the same jerkweed. Sure. You know, <laughs> that's me. <laughs> um, and so, so I thought it'd be fun. And also, not to mention, the, the, one of the other uh, directors or groups of directors that, that uh, edits under a synonym or underneath a pen name is uh, the Coen brothers. Um, they edit under Roderick Janes. So I thought it was funny that the Coen brothers... Uh, do the same thing, and then I name my fake editor after the Coen Brothers. Oh, that's great! <laughs> yeah. I liked it, and I thought it was cool. I was because my cat's named after the Coen Brothers. Yeah. Well, what happened there was we did have a guy doing our post production, and I think there was some he issues. He, had ju- he had just quit his job and um, was basically taking on every project he could. But I think when he realized that we weren't paying a ton, we we, we paid everybody, but we couldn't pay everybody like besides a lot. ourselves, besides except for ourselves. Yeah. So he. 
he, I think he had these other commercial jobs that paid more and he had a family to think about. And so I think our stuff just kind of fell to the bottom of the queue and we kind of had to have a, a little, little come to Jesus moment with him where I'm like, Hey, you know, is this something you feel like you can do? Cause there's it, it a little bit of a lag between finishing the movie and the, and the editing getting started. And he's, he's like, honestly, I just, I don't think I can, I think I need to stick with these other projects. So like that was kind of a hit. Well, and not only a hit from a post-production, but moving back a little bit, that happened to both of our actors. Yeah. Yeah. Our lead actor who is supposed to play Darcy uh, about two weeks before just kind of fell off the map. And which is insane to me because not only did that happen the night before we were going to shoot and we had already planned with someone else the moves for the boxing match oh, or the, yeah. the, in the boxing gym. Yeah, so we were in the middle of shooting the group scene on the first day, yep. and we got word that our our fighter that's supposed to fight against Darcy had uh, like he didn't like break he like he, he like tore something in his leg or something like that ACL yeah. or something yeah, like that. Yeah, he ripped something. Yeah, he ripped something, and so he wasn't able to do it. We were like, oh no! Like we had been like we'd done rehearsals with this guy, um, but luckily one of our actresses, uh, Alexa, was able to. Yeah, had knew somebody. She's like, "Hey, maybe give them a call. See if he see was if amazing." Through. By the way, uh, yeah, uh, Vadim. Vadim. I was going to say Vitelli, but it's Vadim. Vadim. Yeah, uh, Russian, not Italian. <laughs> <laughs> Vadim, if you're listening, I'm sorry. Vadim, maybe that's not correct. I don't know. Vadim is is cool. Yeah, Vadim's a rad guy, and he actually came in and and uh, and actually we tweaked up the 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 fight choreography because of him. And he just did a great job. Awesome dude. Nice guy. Saved our bacon big time. We'll probably be talking about Paper Cutter a lot like throughout this podcast. There's a, there's a lot to talk about. I, mean, I learned so, so much. But in terms of other favorite projects, I just finished one this past week with Otterbox. Uh, it was really, really cool. First time, I've, I'm a huge, huge sucker for like super high-speed photography. Like, like, do you ever watch like Planet Earth and of stuff course. like that? Yeah, just I, I've always loved that kind of thing. Never been able to shoot it. The highest I've ever gotten to shoot was like... Uh, 240 frames on the on the Ursa, which you know, and you can still only do that 1080p, and you know, and it's not like that's slow, but it's not like that slow. Not you, to get like you had, super right, but you had edited. Uh, we had edited thousand frames a second before. Right? Oh, that's right. We did do a thousand frames, but it was for, in 720. Yeah, that was in 720, and it was it was an older Phantom, so yeah. it was pretty grainy. Mm-hmm. Like it, it was looked very okay, great. but we got to shoot this Otterbox video or these Otterbox videos with the Phantom 4K Flex, which is a it's it's a newer camera. We were able to shoot a thousand frames per second at 4K. We could go up to 2,000 frames per second at, at uh, 2K, I believe. But we honestly didn't even have enough light to do that. And we had a lot of light. Yeah, like, you, you have to bounce so like much. direct light in. And, and, and a lot of times, um, you know, cinematographers will use will use mirrors to bounce direct sunlight oh, direct, instead of like kind reflectors. Of double your amount of, oh, yeah. that's really – I never thought about yeah, that. Yeah, so it's super sharp light. And a lot of times we'll use mirrors, obviously reflectors and, and, and sharp light. Um, but a lot of times you'll see like a big old glass mirror on set. You know that makes a ton of sense. Yeah, because we had these two huge Ari Sky panels. That was work too. But. Yeah, and like and even that was like and we had a couple other uh, smaller LED panels um, that put off a, a, a decent little amount. But even that was like just barely enough. You need so much light for these. Question: Did you rent the sky panels from Redmond? I believe so. Uh, I Dave think, rented those, but I think that's where he that, rented that makes them sense. from. Yeah. Well, that's just a fun fact. Shout out Redmond Movies and Stories. Shout out to Redmond. One one of the things that was so interesting to me is I'd always kind of wondered watching like Planet Earth and stuff like that, how you know they managed to capture like these certain moments where you'd have to be sitting out there recording for hours and hours and days before you can get these certain things that happen. Like you know you just happen to get like this little I don't know uh, field mouse running right by your camera. Like like you can't just record that entire time. And I, so I never understood how that worked. Well, now I understand a little bit better because with the Phantom 4K Flex, you it's it's basically always recording. It's always recording into a buffer, basically. And 
so they're sitting there, right, waiting for this mouse to come by and just, you know, they have the camera on. It's always technically shooting. And then it runs by. And after your shot is over, then you hit the record button. And it's and it keeps the recording from a certain amount of time back. That's based on the frames per second and whatever. It's got to catch up. It's got to catch up. Yeah. yeah but and I th- uh, don't quote me on this, but I want to say it's like four seconds or so on a thousand frames, which is actually quite a lot of time. But but it's also still quick if you think about it. Oh, it's super quick. It's yeah. super quick. Yeah. But it's it that just makes. It so, but if you turn it to like twenty four frames per second, it, it's like three or four minutes or something like that. But it's just really interesting because the first time I ever dealt with a camera where you hit record to keep what you already saw instead of hitting record to capture what's going to happen next. And so like that made. Now I watch. I always looked at, at Planet Earth and I was like, man, these guys are like magicians. How in the world could they possibly do this? And now I know, and that was very satisfying for me to learn. I mean, we used it to throw phones on the ground. But <laughs> Yeah. Which is still a lot of fun, for sure. Well, we did. You did exterior and interior. Um, yeah, I saw. Some... I saw the uh, the edits this past week. That's right. There was some out on a great. road. Oh, yeah. thanks, man. Yeah. yeah, it was it was a lot of fun to shoot. I mean, I I wasn't the the cinematographer on it. We did hire somebody because it is actually a pretty complicated camera. Yeah. And I still think even if you sat me down with the camera, I wouldn't be able to just kind of get into it right away. There's a lot to know. It has this like proprietary uh, uh, program that you have to use to to download the footage. Yeah. And well, he's, it he he specializes in uh, that cinematographer specializes in uh, high-speed cameras, high-speed frame rates. Yeah, so, it's, it's, it's one of his specialties. So yeah. um, it was good that you guys had him. Yeah, definitely. Like, I yeah, I couldn't have sat down and just, like, gotten to work on that camera because it doesn't operate quite like a normal camera. Um, but super, super fun. And we we're I was really sad, actually, that we finished this shoot, like, five minutes before we had to return it because I really wanted to spend some time just kind of throwing shit on the ground or at people's faces. And, yeah. And, like, doing some fun slapping stuff with people. it. Slapping people. Slapping the bass. Slapping the bass, man. <laughs> Do you remember uh, in um, the movie J- uh, Jackass 3, in Jackass 3D, is that's what they used? I would used. already say no. <laughs> <laughs> they used the, those phantom uh, oh, did they really? and that was one of the first... Uh, kind of times that I was introduced to that besides uh, obviously uh, Planet Earth and things like that. Oh, let's go with Jackass 3D shout out. Yeah, yeah. J- <laughs> JS Jack Bud is we had to see a spike in rentals here pretty soon. Yeah, right. Yeah, I'm sure. My my family used to make us all say Jack Butt, so that I think that was worse. Jack Butt. I think that was even worse. That, that actually does sound worse than <laughs> Jack I'm watching Jack Butt. I'm watching Jack <laughs> turn it off, turn it off. It's in 3D. Ah. So uh, other other favorite projects I've had. We did, this was years ago, um, did a project for Quicksilver. Unfortunately, I didn't get to go on the shoot. We went to Santa Cruz, and there was a, f- a family out there. There's three generations uh, that owned the surfboard shop. Right. Um, and all three of them had been, like, uh, had been big-time surfers, had, like, competed at world championships and stuff like that. And it was cool because, like, while it was... It was an ad. I mean, it was marketing. It was but, a great piece, though. But it was, yeah, we were able to actually tell a story. And it wasn't like, hey, use Quicksilver because it's great. It's like, hey, look at this family of professionals that own this store. And they're, you know, super, super, uh, you know, emotional about their family. And, but they like, they, they love Quicksilver. They sell Quicksilver stuff. But it wasn't like front and center. It was just like sponsored by Quicksilver. Right. And so it was like, it was this cool little documentary. It's still, yeah, to this day, still one of my favorite things I've edited on, even though, you know, uh, quality of edits and images stuff like that i've seen and done better stuff now but that one i think has the most emotion for a marketing piece that i've ever done yeah and i think that was the first piece that you guys are sorry the last piece that you guys had done before i came on board that's right that was right before you because dave actually had showed me that video as an example as uh he was kind of doing my in quotes interview yeah that one was i'm, I'm still really really proud of that one yeah I no it was, it was beautiful but one, one of my favorite things i've done probably in the past couple of years was i updated my personal reel oh, uh, this is so about, good. about two years ago 
And um, narcissist. <laughs> I am like, man, I look good. <laughs> My favorite project ever is me. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you're not wrong. Yeah, but <laughs> no, dude, it was it was a really cool reel. You you did a you had a really cool approach to it. Oh, thanks. So yeah, my my feelings on it were I, I've I've seen a lot of people's resumes and they tend to just be like you know some sort of music. It's a, mon- and just it's a music like, montage player. It's a music montage, and honestly, that feels a little low effort to me. If you're really trying to go after a job, if you're trying to you know whether you're going for like a corporate job or even a freelance gig, um, if you can tell a story in just the the little thing you're showing them to get their attention, if you're able to tell a full story and get them to care about it, you're you're gonna be immediately. Uh, you know, a foot up on everybody, I think. I, I totally agree. Yeah. And you were able to tell your own story, but in a very unique way. Yeah. So I, de- I decided I was basically just make a little mini documentary about myself, you know, who I am, where I come from, because I think personality actually plays a lot more into getting hired than, than most people think. Because when you're hiring somebody for video, you're going to be spending a lot of time with them. You're going to be doing, you know, having a lot of meetings and, and brainstorming stuff. And it needs to be somebody that you think is interesting and can get along with and stuff like that. And so I, I, th- I think putting yourself into your resume, your personality, your style uh, is, is actually really important. So yeah, I made a little mini documentary about myself. I found some footage. What was uh, it, like three to four minutes long? Um, Five? I think it was. I was about four minutes. I knew I wanted to keep it. I think it was like three and a half minutes. You, you had a. I mean, for it's a very mini short doc, but it was. It had a lot of story. I'm trying I, to trying to keep it brief. I thought was really important. Well, I love I love how you kind of um, played up your Emmy. Like you're kind of like, and one thing about me, I have an Emmy, and you it's know, like rotating, and like I mean, it's funny as shit, dude. Like that, that was funny. I mean, you know, I, I figure if you like, if you got it, flaunt it, right? I mean, people are gonna want to know about that, and you know, but at the same time, I think it was it was cheeky, so I was kind of poking fun at myself about it as well. Like, hey, I have an Emmy, and like I think that's cool, and you probably think that's lame that I think it's cool, but that's cool, right? No, you think, know what I mean? Yeah, totally. Yeah, I mean, yeah. But you did a good job. Like I remember seeing that part, and I, I laughed because because it, and I think that was obviously your point. Um, I thought that was a really uh, unique style of doing it. Not only unique, but it's very much you. It's very me. Like yeah. I'll, I'll joke around about it all the time. Like, but have you seen my Emmy? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> making friends with the Emmy. Remember that time I almost put your Emmy on the grill when we were making burgers at your house? And I was like, hey, are you grilling up another Emmy? <laughs> no, <laughs> but I was probably drunk. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You'll have that. My man. My man. Um, so, yeah, the... the uh, the way I wanted to approach it was was really telling a story about myself, and I I had this footage. Well, for one thing, it was is a bunch of footage from my my aunt and uncle's like old RCA video camera from from back in the eighties of me just as a kid. But then it also had what I'm you positive were a dork. I was, oh god, an enormous <laughs> dork. And I'll tell you what, that was the hardest part of that entire thing is like letting people see what I was like when I was 10, 11 years old. Holy what a dork. tool. <laughs> No, you weren't even that cool. You were a dork. <laughs> it was, it was pretty. I was definitely sub tool level, yeah. and I barely. I think I barely surpassed that now. Yeah, I was gonna say you looked <laughs> after thirty same, more kid. years. Like I'm still eh, totally, so so totally kidding you, man. Totally but kidding. oh no, you're right. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> I guess I am. <laughs> um, but then I also had what I'm, I'm sure is the first time I ever uh, captured any video myself with with that same camcorder. And like it was it, it's a silly little thing, but seeing that being like, man, this is the first time I got to turn anything into video myself. Sure. And so like it ended up actually being a very emotional edit for me, like like going from being a kid, knowing I wanted to do this so bad, and then realizing like, you know what? As like part of the edit, I'm like, I am doing what I wanted to be doing. And it actually ended up changing kind of the end of it. By the time I got to the end, the original ending I had written didn't quite fit. I'm like, like, holy smokes, like I'm doing 
what I wanted to do when I was that age. Isn't that crazy? It's it's amazing and yeah, it's awesome. It, and like maybe it's not all flowers and roses and butter. It's definitely not. But is, but doesn't it? Isn't it wild that it takes something so much as seeing something externally like that that you've created for you to realize that? Yeah, and and that's, honestly, that's yeah, weird. Man. It, it really is. It really is. I mean, because it's that that knowledge is in your head, but it takes certain things to kind of flick that switch. And yep. and honestly, part of editing that when it got to the end of that, I was like. I need to make my own movie now. And that's one of the places that paper cutter ended up coming from. Yeah, sure. Yeah. And so, so that was really, it was, it was kind of, it was kind of a very therapeutic thing. So, so while in the end, I think I got a great demo reel out of it. Like it, it helped me work out a lot of stuff personally at the same time. Sure. Well, you, you were able to use a lot of really cool current footage and then that archive footage that, yeah. you know, of you as a kid, as a dork and um, <laughs> back when I was a dork. No, no, and, I, and I say that um, just because I, I, again, I was touching on the reel that I'm cutting right now and it's very much modeled after yours. So yeah. I, um, it's cause it's a great idea. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. No, but I'm I'm excited to see yours. I really am. No, I think um I think you set the bar there and I'm just going to try to try to stay on the same playing field. I think it's I think it's a good plan. Yeah. The 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 last favorite project I'll mention is Pendleton Road, which is the short film that uh that we made before Paper Cutter. So Drew, you're the cinematographer on it. That was the first time uh I guess you and David asked me to be DP. Well, I think it, I don't even think it was me. I I mean for that one I was just I was the writer and editor. I wasn't really uh, like, Dave directed that. Yeah, Dave directed that. That was that was a fun fun shoot. One of the reasons I love it so much though is more in terms of writing. Um I think the movie pulls off a, a good little story twist. And yeah. I, and I think it I feel like from people I've talked to, I think it gets about ninety percent of people. The yeah, twist I, does. I, I remember in the theater, people were like, "Oh, yeah. when, when it was premiering." And that's that pulling off a twist. There's there's few things more satisfying for a writer than than something like that, and something that doesn't like undermine. You're know, like, it was all a dream, you know, right. like something that doesn't undermine the story that just kind of adds to it and, sure. and genuinely surprises people. It's oh, for one thing, it's hard to do. Well, and because audiences are pretty savvy about that kind of absolutely. stuff. Absolutely. Well, and it's all been done right, especially right. in that thriller horror genre. And I, we're such big fans of that that yeah. genre of film. Those genres of film, I. Should should say and um it was really fun to to finally be able to create something uh within that genre and get a reaction from the audience yeah the, the audience reaction for that felt felt really really good so yeah we'll put that we'll put a link to that in the description yeah go go check it out tell yeah. what you think pendleton road was cool yeah um we so, hold on really quick though we we won yeah we won as uh, best film at demon chaser and what uh, else? best directing best director yeah you know we definitely we don't do it for awards which is good because you know We'd, we'd be let down. We'd be let down a whole bunch. But uh, it's it's really nice when you make something that you're happy with, that that you think is cool, that you feel accomplished doing. And then to also get an award on top of that, it feels it feels really nice. Like it's not just me that enjoyed this. Like other people enjoyed this as well. well. I remember uh, the pictures that we took outside of the Tower Theater yeah. and um, and just how the, the smiles on our faces. Oh, dude, we, we were on top of the world. We were hyped. Yeah, yeah. it was so great. So that, those were kind of your favorite projects from the past. Yeah. Um, I kind of want to hear like what you're working on currently. Yeah. It's so my current project. Projects are definitely nothing nearly as sexy, but but the thing about that is, e- even if they're not necessarily the most fun projects, there's always something you can learn from, and they always have these kind of different parameters to help you learn something. So one of the things uh, I actually just finished working on was for uh, Hills Science Diet, and it was actually just learning content. It was like nine videos. I want to say it's like. I don't know, 90 minutes of content and like pretty, pretty dry stuff. But there was a whole lot to learn in terms of, you know, there is uh, with three cameras going. And this so this is the one that I helped with. Right. Or is this pre- is this newer? 
Oh yes, so this is the, the stuff you helped with. We had to yeah. do a we had to do a pickup um, about a week ago. Oh, that's right. And then I had to finish off the videos. We there. missed a script, right? We missed a script. Yeah. Or, I shouldn't say we. Someone else did. <laughs> Dave. Dave. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, he's a great guy. Did, wonderful guy. Actually, he's going to be on our next episode. Yeah. We might as yeah, well I think plug we'll, that. Yeah. Now. Let's, let's bring Dave on next episode, and yeah. we'll talk to him about all his failures. <laughs> <laughs> so what about that script, Dave? Dave. No, great guy. Um, so one of the things that was uh, that was actually interesting about that it's been a long time. I've done it in the past. Um, but was kind of getting back into multicam editing in Premiere, which is definitely kind of its its own art. And it's it takes a little while to figure out. But once you kind of get in the groove, like it can really cut down the amount of time. If you have multiple cameras all going at the same time. And honestly, even if you have cameras that are you know not necessarily going at the same time, if you're all off time code, it can sync all those up to where they actually fall in time. I'm not sure that explanation actually made any sense. <laughs> But we'll keep we'll keep it in and circle back to that at some other point. I know it does, and but the thing is, is I remember I was running two cams out of the three, and because they were static cameras, so it was very easy to do. Um, but I don't remember ever resetting the time code for Hills. Yeah, no, we didn't we didn't do a time code, and since there all the cameras were set concurrently and all running at the same time, we're able to use the uh, the slate the sound Correct. from the slate sure. to to sync them all up. But if you're recording well, time code and you had some cameras that were starting and stopping and starting and stopping, if they all had time code and you put them into a multicam sequence in, in Premiere, they still sync up. It'll sync up based on time code. Mm-hmm. So you'll have like, you know, say you had one camera running the entire time, that entire clip will be there. And say the next camera up was shut on and off a bunch of times. Well, those clips will be placed at the correct time code in your timeline to to sync up with the, the clip that's running the entire time. Super helpful. So very helpful. Speeds and honestly, up your workload. It does. And it can honestly help with projects that um, that aren't even meant to be multicam, just in terms of sorting out. You know, let's say it's a live event, you're kind of shooting a little bit here and there. Being able to to, to lay it out um, chronologically like that at the spots they're supposed to be can actually be very helpful just, just to help find the clips that you're looking for. Right. So, so but yeah, multicam editing, pretty cool when you get into to learning about it. And the other thing I, I that I learned about, a lot of the audio that I do, I tend to do the, the audio on most of the videos that, that I edit. But those are usually, you know, at most like 90 seconds to two minute videos, usually only one person speaking at a time. Well, these they had we had two people. We recorded their audio tracks separately. And, you know, we're talking like 10 minutes or so of audio I had to sweeten. So there's a whole bunch of different things I had to learn about com- compression and EQing and stuff like that in order to to sort both of their audio out at the same time. And that's kind of a, you know, so while not not fun, honestly, working on that has helped me figure out doing the audio for our little podcast here. Right, sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah in an audition, right? Yeah, doing it in an audition. Well, shout shout out Adobe. Teacher. Yeah, what's up, Adobe? Lower your prices. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, learning how to do multi-track editing in audition has been very, very helpful. Um, and again, so like I have a, a professional project that's kind of circling back and helping me on a personal project, which is, which is this podcast and vice versa. And so even if they're not the most fun projects, there's always something you can learn on them. Uh, to to help you with the stuff that you really, really are wanting to do. Absolutely. Um, the other current project I have, and actually just finished it, I went to a gun show in Las Vegas called SHOT Show. You were so excited. Uh, anybody this. that knows me knows it's not my, we'll just say, ideal environment to be in. But that's, that's neither here nor there. But that also kind of goes back to what I said in the last episode about getting over yourself. Um, I may not like guns. I may not be super interested in helping sell guns. But there were things from the experience that I was able to take away that can enrich me professionally, I think. Absolutely. You know, kind of working of, in that time crunch. Yeah, working in that time crunch. Because um, I was, you know, we were shooting and editing all there. And so, you know, shooting at some place as crowded as as a as an expo like that is hard. You know, you have, you know, things to think about. You have to think about crowd control. You have to think about the type of mic you're using. Like a shotgun mic probably won't do it in a crowded atmosphere. No pun like intended. That. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> that time, actually, no pun intended. Yeah. Actually, yeah, yeah. That's, that's kind of surprising. Um, or a boom, Mike. A bo- boom. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Dude, those were solid puns, bro. My I'm man. A, my man. I'm actually very proud of you right now. Thanks, mister. Um, so it just seemed like using a law of mic was probably the, the best way to go about getting the audio. Um, and then also, you know, if you're going to be editing at a trade show, like you have to find like your spot or else you're going to end up sitting on a floor somewhere. Like you get very like eagle eyed looking for like power outlets and, and like someplace to sit that's maybe soft. Well, I warned you at, at you the did. start. I was like, buddy, you might have to bring your own table. And you're like, I'm not bringing a table onto the flight. I was like, you know what? You're right. You can't do that. Yeah, I need to check this table, please. <laughs> it's like my dinner table. Yeah, this isn't going to work. Sir. Yeah, it's not going to work. Uh, I was lucky enough. This place had like a business center where people could go and like meet up and talk to each other. And so I just stole an entire corner of it and just set up there. And it was like our home base pretty much. That's awesome. Did you have the whole room to yourself? No, no. It was it was I was basically just at a counter on like the side of the room. Right. Like there's like smaller rooms within this bigger room. I know and what you're it, talking about, right in Sands. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah, 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 yeah. Right Sands up, Expo yep. Convention Center Sands next Expo. to the Venetian. Yep, that's the one. Um so you know, it was it was interesting. I didn't I didn't love being there, but it was definitely an experience, which was which was pretty cool. Well you got through it and, and you finished all the videos yesterday. I did. I had to edit it with about twenty two minutes of content in about two days. Good for you, which man. Was insane. And that's that's I mean, that's my news training. That's a sitcom. Back. It is. I know. Actually, right? seventeen minutes is a sitcom, right? Um, it depends. No, I think it would be. No, you're right. It's twenty two, yeah, and then and then um, the remaining eight for commercials. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, if it's on network TV. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah, yeah. So Good for I mean, you. Yeah, thanks, man. Uh, that, was, that was definitely my news training coming into play there, uh, and being able to do stuff quickly and and pretty well. You know, like if if I had a bit more time, the color would be a little bit better, the audio would be a little bit better. But well, I'm, let's get real. You're shooting in a convention center, so the lighting control is very limited. Yeah, because everybody's booth has like different colored lights sure. just splashing everywhere. So like yep. one guy who's pink and another guy who's blue super orange <laughs> yeah and like i can't i can't color both of them correctly right. and so you kind of get what well, you can get that's what you get for not hiring a camera operator <laughs> <laughs> well we don't want to bring you along yeah good i don't want to go back to vegas <laughs> yeah vegas i'll tell you there's no place harder for me. vegas can be fun if you go there and you have time and you have some money but trying to actually work and do a job in vegas can be really it's the really exact hard. opposite of going there with your friends and and going it's the exact opposite to everything yeah everything that's stuff. like fun becomes annoying when you're trying to work you know you're trying sure. to like walk through a crowd with a huge you know crate behind you full of camera gear yeah, and it's you're not like fun. oh excuse me excuse me yeah. you know and nobody cares because they're all drunk yeah at a gun show <laughs> yeah they're all drunk at a gun show sleeping with prostitutes <laughs> <laughs> Probably not. No, I'm sure everybody there is squeaky clean. Yeah, um, yeah so that, totally. Yeah, so so those those are my my current projects. I got some more fun stuff coming up in the future, and we can talk about that then. Um, but that's what I got going on right now. That's cool, man. I, I am super stoked for you. You sound busy. Um, Very busy. We're yeah. we're both kind of in that boat. Uh, it's kind of crunch time right now. So again, we are going to link all of our past projects. Besides, I think that maybe the OtterBox piece. Um, those will all be linked in the description. So please uh, check those out and, and leave us feedback. Also, yeah. go ahead. Oh, as you say, yeah. Also. So, um, you know, we talked about our favorite and current projects. We'd like to hear what you guys are up to. Please. You know, what's some of the favorite projects you guys have done? Um, what stuff you're working on right now that you want to talk about? And we have an email address set up for that. Do you know what that email address it's, is, Drew? We don't have the email set up, but I, um, I have a contact form. <laughs> He's looking you at me. told me you no, had I an email s- address. No, I said we have a contact form. I don't want another email address. I have five email addresses, dude. I do not Fine. want another freaking email well, the, address. Well, a bit of in a contact form is going to go to an email, isn't it? It goes to my email that I currently have, yeah. So it's uh, 43productions.com slash contact. Okay. 
So 43, the, the number 43productions.com slash contact. And just put like podcast something in there yeah. so you know that's what it is. Well, and there's a, there's a podcast tab on the website as well. I should look at your website. Yeah, <laughs> you've never been there. It's fine. Uh, no, um, there is a contact form in the description. So you can just click contact us and it'll go right to that contact form. You can send us an email. We'd love to hear from you guys. Also, if you are finding any value from this and you like what we're talking about, please uh, follow on Spotify and subscribe to us on Apple Podcast. We're also available on multiple other platforms. Please leave us a review as well. Yeah, that'd be dope. And we also have uh, we have a couple of personal places you could follow us at. I'm on Instagram at Aaron Von Colborn, also on Twitter at Aaron Colborn. Uh, be aware, I have two modes. Uh, on Twitter, one is sex jokes and the other is politics. So if you're not interested in either of those, maybe stay away. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I don't. Um, no, but I, I'm on Instagram, Drew, D-R-U, uh, T-4-3, Drew, T-4-3, and at 43productions. We will link all of those because that's extremely hard to do if you're driving and listening to this. Uh, that's plugging so true. that in. And so, also you might not know how to spell like our names. Yeah. <laughs> Mine looks like Drut. Drut. <laughs> Again, we are going to start bringing in guests to talk about the production world. Yeah, you don't have to listen to us drone on all the time. Yeah, exactly. And we're trying to figure out, you know, a way to provide you guys um, with value and in the production world. Um, these first couple episodes are just kind of getting to know uh, Aaron and I. So we want uh, you to get to know us. Then we can interview people from the outside world. And again, we do want to hear from you. So... Give us a review and, and contact us. All right. Well, so one thing we've been trying to do is kind of end on like a piece of advice for everybody. Um, I haven't prepared anything. So while you say yours, I'm going to think of one. That's good. Good planning, bud. <laughs> um, and that kind of goes along with my piece of advice. Um, so I go by sometimes, and I do not uh, create this. This is just something I had heard. This is the six Ps, and that is proper planning and practice prevents piss poor performance. Therefore, in our field, no pre-production equals a bad movie. Heavy pre-production equals good planning and practice and a good performance. So again, the six Ps are proper planning and practice prevents piss poor performance. I think that's really good advice. And it kind of actually goes hand in hand with mine, which is Peter Piper picked a pepper pickle pepper. (laughs) (laughs) No, so mine, and I kind of touched on it before. Doing this job, you're going to do a lot of stuff that you're not actually super jazzed about doing, you know, i.e. the gun show for me or or, you know, training videos. But just remember, like, don't tune out completely and just go into, you know, autopilot because there's always something you can learn from everything you're doing, Uh, whether, you know, it's something about audio mixing you haven't done before, something about color or just learning how to operate in a different kind of environment. Like, there's always something you can learn. And so just always keep your eyes and ears open and and don't cut yourself off from any learning possibilities just because you don't like what it is that you're making. No, Aaron, that's awesome. That's great advice. We've all been in that situation and I think that's something to live by. And remember, while we're here, we've been wanting to do this since we were kids. And now we're doing it and having a great time. Thank you.